It's the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 122, talking to Greg Atkinson about digital first impressions and physically reopening your building. Here we go. Well, hey, Megan, how are things going with you over there? They're going really well, Seth. Are you holding a toy microphone right now? Uh, yeah, I do have a toy microphone. Um, I have a three-year-old daughter and she left this on my desk for me because I'm doing a podcast today and she wanted to make sure I was equipped. Oh, that's It's nice. pink <laughs> and plastic and it lights up. So I feel like we're in a, and like we're set up for success to, for this to go well. You know, if that way, if one fails, you have the backup. I do. I do have a backup. And it, did I tell you that it sings? No. I will not play it because no one needs to hear that, but it does. So, um, are you guys going stir crazy at your house? It's kind of nuts right now. Yeah, it is nuts. And apparently it's supposed to snow on Monday or they're calling for snow on Monday. Mm -hmm. And I just, I can't even handle it. Like I'm going to, I am going to hitchhike to Florida or something. I don't know. Hey, come to Texas. We're reopening everything here. Apparently, yeah, it's fine. Texas is fine. We're apparently, like, ah, virus, virus. Yeah, we're gonna open no. up. It's crazy. It's not so. We, I bought some. We were gonna do a vegetable garden this year, so we bought some vegetables, which is awesome. But now I have to. I can't plant them. I have to bring them inside because it's there's frost at night. Man, I I grew up. I can, honestly, you know, I can count on one hand the times in my life where I've seen actual snow here in Texas. Have you always been in Texas? There was a brief stint where I lived in Colorado oh, and right. then came back. So in Colorado, I saw snow all the time, but in Texas, right. I can definitely say, I, I remember the snow of 85. I remember the snow of 94, light, you know, I, I remember. And, and typically with, uh, with snow here in Texas, it's not really even snow. It's ice. So ice Mageddon's have happened quite a bit here where, and because it shuts us down. I mean, for us in Texas, we're kind of, we're kind of rehearsed on the, you can't go outside because of ice storms. So for us, it's, it's now that it's, you know, a pandemic virus or whatever, whatever it is, it's keeping us home. We're like, we're kind of ready for this. You know, we kind of knew a little bit of naturally what to do. Um, This is obviously a different thing, but, um, but the ice storms and things that have happened over the years, we haven't really seen true snow much in here in I grew up in yeah. East Texas. East Texas for sure never sees snow. Dallas probably saw it a lot more than I did when I was growing up. Yeah. But, well, there's but, snow here all the time, even in May, apparently. Yeah. And that's what people say. It was like if you live in a place where it does snow a lot, you would not enjoy snow as much as you do. And I was like, well if you had a Christmas that was eighty five degrees, you would you would wish for it. You know, that's kind of nuts. That's what that's last Christmas for us. No, I like, I do like, I like snow a lot, actually, even though I live in Michigan and I see it a ton, I like it. I just don't like it in May. Like stick, (laughs) like stay in your lane, you know, like stick to the months of November through maybe March at the latest, but like March hits, let spring come like mother Mm. nature. You are go home. Like you're confused. (laughs) Like mother nature is so confused right now. We have finally we have leaves on our trees and then I'm going to look outside and see snow falling. Yeah. It's a little no. crazy. Uh, you know, in Texas, like I said, a lot of things are opening up and, um, but kind of limited opening up 
type things. We're not just opening up because we're idiots, you know, or whatever. It's, it's, it's a staggered well, that's debatable. De- well, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Every state has their own, you know, but uh, we we're opening up like partial stuff. Like restaurants can not are not doing seating in there. They're doing either uh, very spread out patio seating if they even want to do that. But they're doing like um, a lot of delivery and pickup and stuff. So it, yeah. it's everyone's kind of doing their own thing, and I, I'm I'm glad because it's a little different in every state. You know, the states like New York, New Jersey combined, where people are really smashed in close to each other yeah. really have to be super careful um we could still spread it it's it's you know still very toxic like that but you know i think that we're a little less risk than others but i'm not a doctor so i don't know but um speaking of doctors and people who aren't doctors um our our <laughs> guest today is uh is greg atkinson I like that segue speaking of people He's who speaking aren't doctors of people who aren't doctors <laughs> Greg Atkinson. And you know what's funny? He he might have a doctorate degree. Who knows? The guy's really smart. Um, Greg Atkinson and I met at that church conference two years ago. And it was one of those rooftop parties. Remember that rooftop party? I I wasn't there two years ago. You didn't go? Oh, that's right. You didn't go. Okay. So there's a rooftop party. It was pretty great. And I, I, I had major FOMO about that rooftop party though. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good times. Uh, so we're sitting there and kind of overlooking Atlanta, the Atlanta skyline. It sounds really romantic. It's very romantic, very romantic. Uh, <laughs> sitting very close together. It was, you know, so Greg and Stars I are sitting there shining. and we start talking about like he used to work in Texas. I didn't even know it. He worked at the same church I worked at a few times, knew some people I knew. And uh, we were kind of connecting over that. And then we were talking about this idea we had to do a podcast. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. So here we are two years later, finally getting together. <laughs> And uh, having having Greg on the show, <laughs> I'm like, like a fine wine, just like, took time. Like, dude, what happened? So Greg is great at first impressions. Greg is uh, he runs the first impressions conference. He does a lot of stuff for greeters, hospitality, uh, connections, ministry, follow up, things like that. So I wanted to get his opinion on um, just what is what does that even look like right now in the digital space and we talk more about how to reopen things to reopen yeah. to ask your congregation when you reopen which is a really great it's at the end of this conversation with with greg and uh it's really really helpful really good dude's got a lot of great insight yeah, he wrote a blog post that um yeah. has been circulating around about like questions to ask your congregation mm-hmm. before you reopen and you guys talk about that yeah quite a bit which is really really helpful yeah and and we'll dig into those questions uh, at the end there and you, you need to stick around for that so um let's just get in the conversation right now um jump in with greg atkinson uh, you can find the show notes for this one at sethmuse.com slash 122 uh 122 you will find those show notes and uh, get all the links to everything that we talk about in this show so here's our conversation with greg Hey everybody, my guest today is Greg Atkinson. Greg is known in the world of hospitality, guest services, first impressions for the church, uh, and is the creator of the First Impressions Conference and the founder of Worship Impressions. Uh, that's worshipimpressions.com. And it's a professional secret, shop, secret shopper 
company. That's going to be hard for me to say. Secret Shopper. Uh, his book, Secrets of a Secret Shopper, uh, is a bestseller on Amazon. A great read. You can learn a whole lot more about him at gregatkinson.com. Please welcome Greg Atkinson. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> Glad to be here. Glad we we're finally able to make this happen. We've been yeah, chatting dude. about it for a couple of years. Absolutely, man. It's been a while. We've been trying to figure out how to get together two years. Yeah. It's taken that long. Yeah. You're, you're that it took, busy. It took, it took COVID and getting me to stop traveling and coming off the road and being grounded, not able to fly, but Dude. I'm home now. I'm in my home office and I'm glad we can make it happen. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I, I just got to ask, you know, doing the secret shopper thing, um, for those that don't know secret shopping, what is it? Let's, what is that first? Yeah. So, you know, uh, the concept comes from the business world. You have, uh, hotels, hospitals, banks, Mm -hmm. restaurants, retail, uh, department stores, they all have secret shoppers. And so I remember, uh, about a year ago, I went to a QT quick trip gas station and I came up to, uh, pay at the counter and a guy in front of me had left and walked away. And one of the employees turned to the other employee and said, that was a secret shopper. Oh. <laughs> and QT, I wrote about them in my last book. They have a great culture, great, great culture. But um, I have personally secret shopped restaurants, nice restaurants and hotels. And um, But I got started, uh, I started consulting in 2005. So it's been 15 years of consulting with churches all around North America. But I started Worship Impressions that you referenced, the secret shopper. Uh, company in 2009. So it's been 11 years of worship impressions mm. uh, being around. And um, when I go in, I evaluate everything. Uh, I start at the beginning of the report. Um, so I'll go in, I'll fly in on a Saturday. If they have a Saturday night service, I'll evaluate and attend the Saturday night service. And then everything they have on Sunday morning, some have Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then um I'll do a lunch with the uh, leadership team and and kind of just I'm very relational, just kind of chat, get to know them, give yeah. them some stuff off the top of my head. Then I come back and I work on a very detailed report. Uh, my last few reports have been anywhere from 80 to 100 pages. So oh, they're man. very detailed, very thorough, uh, just going through breaking down everything. But the first part of the report is an online presence evaluation. And so I do that right here at home in my home office where I go through and evaluate their, uh, their social media presence and their website. And so um, I've been able to continue doing that during this eight weeks of being off the road. Uh, I traveled yeah. that last Sunday before most churches shut down. I was in Baltimore working with the church, but I'm still able to secret shop uh, churches online and give them feedback on their online services and their website and helping them tweak their website. I wrote a blog about what your homepage should look like. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's but, it. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. That's an interesting concept, you know, for, you know, for you to come in, nobody knows who you are. You're getting the actual raw experience of the place and getting an honest look at where this business company, this church is, and then being able to provide feedback to them. Um, it's interesting now, of course, that COVID is here, that um, 
flying around traveling. You mentioned that's that's stopped, but you right. are still able to continue with secret shopping online. And I didn't know that you even did that. I, I didn't know that was part of it, which makes total sense that if we're asking pastors and leaders to consider digital as part of the ministry, that would obviously be part of the, the secret shop as well. Um, did that ever surprise people when you, you include that? They were like, oh, we didn't know you were looking at that. Yeah, uh, you know, I was not the first. I mentioned it, secret shopping came from the business world, and then ever since the maybe seventies or eighties, it's been it's been a concept in the church world. There are people yeah. that have written their books on my shelf by secret shoppers in the eighties and the nineties. There are guys who've been doing this for a long time. That's great. Um, I, I'm probably one of the most known ones for it right now, currently, presently. But I was not the first. And I was actually encouraged by a former uh, boss and mentor of mine to become a secret shopper. He's the one that kind of pushed me out of the boat and encouraged me. And so I evaluate everything from the street to the seat. You know, what is parking like, greeters, ushers, welcome center, signage, communications, print pieces, website, uh, directional signage, any any kind of... um, anything that could confuse me or confuse a guest. And so I evaluate all of that, but uh, I was not the first to do it. I sure. just uh, uh, ended up putting it in, in the book, Secrets of a Secret Shopper and recorded some podcasts about it. And it really kind of blew up where um, yeah. it really got on a lot of radar because a lot of people didn't realize that churches do that. And what's the re- the heart behind it is, um, uh, I worked with a with a great uh, a large First Baptist Church recently about about five or six months ago, and they're a well known church, well known organization. They host large conferences, and I met with their leadership team, and I went around the room and I said, um, "How long have you been at First Baptist?" And they were so proud, and they said, "You know, I've been here twenty years." I said, "That's awesome." Somebody else, I've been here thirty years. That's awesome. Somebody else said, I grew up here. I've, I've been here my whole life. I'm 60 years old. And I said, that's great. Guess what? You've lost your new eyes. Yep. And so um, <laughs> what a secret shopper does is we come in with new eyes and say, why is this here? What is this? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Where does this lead to? And people are like, well, I thought everybody knew that. No, I haven't been here 60 years. Right. I haven't been here 20 years. I haven't been here 30 years. And so yeah, there were- we just kind of give people fresh eyes. There was a commercial, I don't forget what it was for, maybe plugins or something. And it was about being nose blind to the pile of laundry. Right. And that's kind of what we, we, we do. We go nose blind. We go eye blind. That's literal blindness. I guess we go blind to uh, the things that are going on in our church that we've kind of learned to live with and yeah. others see and, and, kind of forget the impression it leaves on people and why that's important. And that's super interesting. Like right now, churches being online, um, I imagine there's still some elements of that hospitality, that first impression, that greeting, um, you know, the first impressions team is probably going, what do we do for online? How do we handle this right now? So my question is, what are you seeing right now that churches are doing on their live streams or just online in general that is fulfilling that that hospitality, uh, greeting, warmth, welcoming kind of feel that you want to get when you actually show up to a building? So what are you seeing them do right now that you think is like, that's innovative or that's good? Yeah, uh, there's some great churches doing some great stuff, and it doesn't really <laughs> matter what size they are. They could be a small, medium, a large, very large church, but... I'm, I'm watching several services a weekend 
and churches are doing some excellent stuff. I have a talk that I'm working on that I'm going to speak at Steve Fogg's uh, Church Online Summit next week and um, uh, talk a little bit about this. But so, some of it is is the lead pastor him himself or herself, whoever is staring down the camera delivering the message, the fact that they're authentic and genuine and relational, relatable and approachable that um, – um, so in a piece of authenticity that I talked to somebody about recently on another podcast is um, one thing I'm a big fan of right now that feels very hospitable and welcoming is when um, large churches film their online services in smaller venues. And so you have, mm-hmm. um, I've seen Jensen Franklin in his living room. I've seen um, um, Brian Houston, pastor of Hillsong Church in Australia, in his living room yeah. with a few staff members. And so I've seen J.D. Greer, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, in a small hallway uh, in an intimate setting with a bistro table, not standing on a giant stage, empty stage in an empty auditorium with a thousand seats. I've seen people come to smaller, relatable um, venues. And so that helps me. So for, for so long, um, I, as a first impressions uh, guest services guy, have said, you know, companies coming. Are we are we ready? Are we ready? Companies coming. We're going to welcome them into our church. Well, now uh, they are welcoming us into their home, and the tables have turned. Yeah, we're going into their home. That's and really so when when we uh, when we are 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 broadcasting, it's got to come across as relatable, as conversational, and as authentic and genuine. And so if I'm sitting in my home, even if I attend this church and I'm seeing this giant room and this giant empty stage, there's just feels to be kind of a disconnect. Yeah. So when you bring the venue down to a smaller size and you do something a little bit more intimate, when I watch uh, the Summit Church, um, uh, we, we both know Rob Lauder and, yeah. and what he's doing there with the digital uh, ministry. And uh, they did a great job. I watched their service recently with J.D. Greer. And he had he had uh, to help uh, a, a digital audience in today's world with today's attention span. He broke up the sermon into sections, and so he would preach uh, one part, and then they would do some music, and he'd preach a second part, and then they would do some music, and then he preached the third part, and then they would do some music. That's great. And then when it comes to first impressions, one thing they did that was really awesome uh, to help people feel relational was they had their campus pastors film videos from their home or from their campus saying, hey, I'm Greg and I'm at the uh, Raleigh campus and I just want to tell you what God's doing in Raleigh and and what we're excited about. And then, hey, I'm Bob, I'm at the Durham campus and we're so excited about this happening in our community and this and this and this. And so uh, they have, you know, another great thing that churches are doing that help with first impressions is online hosts, uh, people that kind of emcee the service and speak to you and kind of, you know, it's, it's a great uh, opportunity to go into somebody's home. So just kind of being like a tour guide, telling yeah. them, you know, hey, we're going to sing for about 15 minutes and then we're going to listen to a sermon that's based on the Bible. And, um, and, then, and, then, and then constantly uh, giving those opportunities for people to, uh, you know, let you know where they're from or to engage in the chat or, you know, if they have a question or if they need prayer or if they want to fill out a connection card. And so just being aware of them in the room, uh, I like yeah. to think of the concept that uh, is, is universal in hospitality of, I see you, I see you. And so we know you're there. We it's, know you're watching. 
if you want to connect with us, um, feel free to engage in the chat. Feel free to ask for prayer. Feel free to respond. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that you bring that up. Is that part of hospitality is just kind of acknowledging some of the things that are there on the digital space. It's like saying, Hey, engage in the chat or here's, I'm over here at this campus and we're glad that you're here. Kind of, you know, here's what's going on. God, what God's doing at our campus or in this city. Um, that, that kind of thing, just acknowledging them in a very realistic way. Uh, didn't, I didn't think of that as hospitality, but it really is. It does translate as warmth and welcome in a way yeah. to say, we, kind of know where you're at right now. We know that we're all there. You know, it's, it's a, it's a way to be with them. instead of just saying we're with you over and over again. And I, yeah, I love and that. It's, it's a, um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to behold when you think of the big C church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, every, every week I watch elevation uh, church online with Stephen Purdick. And one thing that they've done for the last two months since uh, COVID happened is um, they have a giant like like confidence monitor prompt screen in the back that Stephen Furtick can see and see the chat happening. And so he's engaging with people oh, in real time. Good. And he'll say, I, I see you, Bob, and I see that you're in uh, Tokyo. Glad to have you. Hey, if you think this, and then he'll, he'll talk to the camera and, 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 and just, just acknowledging that they're in the room and that they're there yeah. and they're not. So it's not just Man, a talking head or somebody talking the whole time, never stopping to breathe and to say, hey, somebody is watching and engaging. Yeah, that's great. That's next level. I love that. Talking to the people that are actually there. It's, it's very basic to think like if somebody showed up in your lobby, obviously you'd go talk to them, especially if you're part of hospitality team, greeting team. But even if you're on staff or, or even if you're just a regular, you, you know, you want to, you're supposed to do that. But online, it's like, how does that translate? Well, that's a great way to have your pastor engaged directly. That's really cool. I'm glad he does. I didn't know he did that. Um, Let's talk about the connect card, the getting of the info. That's, that's a big step for guest connections. And right now I'm sure many have pivoted. They've figured out ways to to do this, but what are you seeing that's working for? I'm a guest at the live stream. How do we connect after this? What are you seeing? Um, there's, there's a lot of times where people post a link to it in the chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one thing that I have encouraged churches to do that I have seen a lot of people say that they're having success with is to not only post about and link to the digital online connection card during the broadcast, during the, the, the online services, but to also have it live on the homepage of the website. Mm. And so I, I blogged, I've done two uh, special coronavirus church blogs recently at gregatkinson.com. But the one, two blogs ago was about how your homepage should change and how it should look nowadays. And I linked to a lot of really neat churches that have totally changed their homepage to adapt and to um, adjust to what has been happening. But one thing that a lot of churches are doing is just leaving their connection card on their homepage. So that if I stumble across your website on a Tuesday night at midnight and you're not streaming a service, I can still fill it out. And they find that they're getting responses coming in and connection cards coming in mm-hmm. just all throughout the week from people that stumble across the website. Yeah. 
And this might be a good time too to just mention, I don't want to get into it, but mention going to something like ManyChat, M-A-N-Y Chat, and investing in a Facebook Messenger bot that can collect information that also can live on your website. I recently did that for a client, found it to be pretty easy to do. Uh, just search YouTube videos on how to do it, but it's free and you can do a lot of stuff with that. So um, a place where you can connect on Facebook with your live, all those things can be connected. Um, another you know, just option for you. Um, I think that the wow. digital connect card is, is gotta be simple, right. For, for people that are in your live stream. So what, what is in that thing? Uh, it depends on your church and your culture, but right now you really don't have to ask for a whole lot beyond their name and email. And then if you have any kind of texting options, then you would want their phone number. If, mm -hmm. if you have a texting service like text and church or, or, or something where you send out, uh, information through text to uh, congregation members, then you would collect their phone number. But um, and a lot of churches are using something like text and church during the service. They'll just say, "Hey, text I'm new to five 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 one three, or text um, uh, salvation if or you know if you made yeah. a decision. You know, and so texting is still a great way to communicate through online church. Uh, and, and then, you know, through services like Text and Church and other companies that are doing texting, you can do your online connection card through, through that, through text. Right. What's, what's cool about this, this season of the church, um, which is what we're going to be focusing on for the 2020 Fall First Impressions Conference, this new season. But what's cool about it is these tools existed. Like you said, you just did some YouTube videos. You found this chat bot feature. And uh, you studied it and learned how to do it. Online giving companies like Tidely and Pushplay and Givelify and all these companies already existed. There were already ways to do streaming. Yeah. Um, church online platform already existed. All this stuff was happening. It was like God used the global pandemic to connect the dots. Accelerate. Hey, you guys have yeah. all these tools and all these resources. Now start using them. Right. And so my friend, Jeff Reed, he's been using the term digital lately about physical and digital. I love and that. So when we, when we go back to normal, new normal, whatever that is, when we start to reopen churches and re-engage, we don't want to lose all this online digital leverage that we've been using everything that we have relied on to get us through as a community um, through uh, online small groups and Zoom and, and daily devotionals from the pastor and online services and online campuses and online giving. We don't want to just shelf that and say, well, now we're back phys physical. We don't need that anymore. Yeah. We want to keep the both and going, digital, physical and yep. digital. Absolutely. Let's keep both of those going and never go back to the pre-digital days. If, if you've been streaming for years, awesome. I'm glad you were prepared. If you just started, don't stop. Yep. I think that's great. And that's a great segue into what I want to talk about next with you is um, what happens when we do go back to opening up our churches and what does a reopening look like? And you recently wrote this blog called 10 Things to Ask Your Congregation Before Reopening. And I thought this was really good, a really great breakdown of some things you need to consider as you're reopening your, um, your, your actual physical campuses. So I wanted to break down through that. What are some highlights from that, that you shared in 10 questions to ask your congregation? What are some of those questions we should ask? Yeah. So, um, here I, I did an opening, an opening, uh, 
part before I ask some sample questions. And what I did with this blog was I wanted you to think through scenarios and questions. And then I didn't want to have anything proprietary. I didn't want to sell anything or have anything for you to download. I actually give you links to places like SurveyMonkey or mm -hmm. JotForm or Typeform or Google Forms that you can go or your, or your, or your uh, church database or CHMS places where you can go and create a, an, uh, uh, a survey. Survey form. Um, I wanted you to be able to do that on your own and, and pick the questions that matter to you and your context and your state and your region of the country. Yeah. But I gave you some things to think through. And so in the opening, I talked about um, basic stuff like, hey, if you're a church of 500, are you prepared for only 100 people to show up if 400 people aren't ready to come back out yet? Yeah. If it takes That's uh, 50 volunteers to pull off a, a Sunday, but only 10 volunteers show up, can you make Sunday happen with 10 volunteers when it usually takes 50 to pull it off? Like, uh, are you going to do children's ministry? How are you going to keep the church sanitized and dis disinfected and clean in between services? Are you changing your service times because you need more time in between services That's good too. to clean the church and to sanitize Smart. after a service? And so yeah. all these things to think through, do you have the manpower to pull it off? Because not only, not only do we want to make people feel safe and comfortable, but we have a great responsibility when people that are vulnerable or have weak immune systems show up to our congregation have we done everything we can to prepare for them? Yeah. And then also knowing, I talked to somebody yesterday about that old concept, is the juice worth the, the squeeze? Like if you go through all this work, uh, <laughs> like a, a mega church did in, in Dallas, Texas, where you were, where you live uh, this past weekend, yeah. and you're a church of 20 something thousand people and only 200 show up, was it worth it? Was it worth the work? And so uh, just thinking through the timeline. And so what I did was I brought back the idea of an old school congregational survey that you can do for free on SurveyMonkey and just say, hey, yep. if we were to open up services, would you even come back? Or what if we started with the drive-in service as a bridge where we're not in the building yet? And then uh, what if we did house churches or small groups and stayed in small numbers. Mm -hmm. And then and then or, I would be thinking multiple services. starting with kind of the family service atmosphere. It'll be a while before children's ministry is gonna be safe. And uh, there's some great yeah. resources out there about that. I'm gonna be recording a children's ministry podcast soon with Tom Bump, but William Vanderblumen just did one where he interviewed some kids experts. And um, there's just so many things you have to consider I've said for years, and I said it in my book, Secrets of a Secret Shopper, that children's ministry need to be clean, safe, and secure. Never has that mattered more. But how do you do for social sure. distancing with first graders? Yeah. How do you keep these kids from bunching up and grabbing the, each other and hugging each other and playing together? How do you keep kids six feet apart? And so or you're going to have to start wiping their the nose and touching somebody. Right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be wild. <laughs> Those are incredibly great questions. I didn't even think about like the changing your service times to have more time in between so you can clean smart. Somebody else even suggested like adding services so that you could spread your people out so that they couldn't yeah. be as close together. You're, it wouldn't be as crammed in your auditorium. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, CDC guidelines and state recommendations that say you want to do 25% occupancy. Mm -hmm. So if you're, uh, if you're 
If your auditorium holds 400 and you have 400 people, then you want to have four services where you can have 100 per service. And then a, a one thing that a lot of churches are talking about doing and talking about in my Facebook group is ticketing. Um, yeah. That you actually do pre-registration and you have tickets for each service. A uh, couple thoughts on that. One, you could use Eventbrite. You could use other ticketing softwares like iTickets. You can use Planning Center. You can use your um, your your CHMS. But if you have, if you're going to open up a service for a hundred seats, I was just on a call yesterday with a uh, a large consulting company, and they were saying one thing that they're telling their clients is to undersell the uh, the service. And so if you if you if you want to keep yeah. it to a hundred people for the nine a.m. service, then only offer eighty tickets because yep. somebody's going to show up without a ticket. You're going to have somebody who says, oh, I'm not doing a ticket or a guest that shows up and just didn't know to do it or For somebody sure. wasn't aware. That's what we so used to do. Going to open up 100 seats, do 80 tickets and expect 100 to show up and. Yeah, a yeah. lot to consider. And that's what we did for uh, when I was working at my last church. We had Christmas services and right. several of those. And just we we did the reserve your seat. We did tickets necessarily because people were, were reserve the seat. They, they okay. bunk they bucked against that a little bit. We're like tickets to Christmas. How dare you? You know, I'm like, right. come on. You know what we're trying to do here. So right. we just did reserve your seat, and it was a and then that was a problem. Like which seat is mine? I'm like, just go get one. You know, it's not what we're trying to do. But the point is, is that we always made sure that if we could fit 1200 in the auditorium we had a thousand and we wanted to leave room mainly for guests that was really the because for something like christmas especially um right now i don't know how many guests you're really going to get probably same kind of ratio that you're expecting of your attendance you would normally get right. so if you normally had 400 and you're expecting 100 and you normally had you know five guests a weekend you might get one you know so you might look at it that way but i would definitely I think that's just wise to space things out like that. That's really smart. So uh, this is a good blog. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes for everybody to go to. And it's got all the links to all those things that you just mentioned that you can go to and use. So I won't mind putting, I won't bother putting that in the show notes, but go to the blog that I will link in the show notes and you can get links to all that stuff. So um, Greg, it, man, I'm glad we got to finally do this. This is, this has been really helpful. Um, any last parting shots of wisdom about reopening or guest experiencing in general for online? Uh, I would say when it comes to guest experience and reopening, when you start back, I saw a church that opened this past weekend in Texas because Texas loosened their yeah, restrictions a lot quicker. Uh, as you know, Texas is its own country. I used to yeah, live in Dallas for five years. <laughs> but um, uh, when I saw this church and I saw pictures of their Sunday, Everybody had masks on, mm -hmm. uh, every greeter, everybody in the parking lot, uh, there were masks everywhere. And so if you're not prepared for that, if you don't have your hands on masks for volunteers, if you don't have hand sanitizer stations, you're not ready. Yeah. And so think through all this, protect the vulnerable. Uh, safety is very loving your neighbor right now. And so love your neighbor the best way you can. That's how to be hospitable right now is to be prepared as possible. And then I saw another pastor at C3 Church in Houston who laid out a five-phase plan, was very articulate, very intelligent, and just said, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. But get a structured plan together and really think through it and work the plan. But um, take it seriously, people. Uh, we're, we're stewards of, of, of people when they come into our facility, when they come into our building. And so from a first impression standpoint, 
Uh, we want them to feel as safe and welcome as, as possible. Uh, when I've talked about first impressions over the years, I've talked about removing roadblocks and, and barriers and things that would confuse people or cause them not to focus on the message. Mm -hmm. The same thing goes with health risks and sanitation. And so do everything you can to make people feel safe and comfortable and welcome. That's great. Absolutely. Uh, well, Greg, tell us where we can get in touch with you on social or online. How can we find you? Yeah, uh, my name is Greg Atkinson. You can see it in the bottom of the Zoom screen there, but uh, you can go to gregatkinson.com. It's got links to all my social, but I'm Greg Atkinson on LinkedIn and Greg Atkinson on Twitter and Greg Atkinson on Instagram. And uh, well you can find me at several Greg Atkinsons on Facebook. But I was <laughs> I was I was telling you before we started, um, I I have I have been been blessed with the large. Uh, platform uh, that God has given me of, of traveling and speaking a lot and have a, have a good size audience on Instagram, but I don't fully utilize it. So when I saw you were doing your Insta Summit, I wanted to share about that and tell people to check it out. I'll be watching it. I'll be taking notes. I'll be learning. I know that Instagram needs to be treated differently than Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I am just bad at it. And so um, yeah. I'm blessed with, with, with some good followers and I try to post some interesting stuff, but I don't optimize it like I should. Yeah. And so I'm going to be watching the Insta summit. I'm excited about it. I'm so glad you're doing it. Of all people, it had to be Seth Mews. It had to be you <laughs> when it comes to Instagram. So thank you yeah. for doing this and I'll be tuning in. Well, I appreciate that. I'm really excited about it too. May 19th through 21st. And if you're listening to this podcast or watching this video after uh, that, those date, you can still go to theinstasummit.com and get a later pass and, you know, get access to all the videos and everything. So uh, it's only 97 bucks for that to go get access later. Um, so anyway, I, I'm excited about that, that too. I think Instagram is really going to be the next platform for churches. It already is the third largest and it's the fastest growing. And it is, it is one of the best for personal touch and one of the ones you can still get great organic reach on. So um, not, not only that, it's where we are headed and yeah. we as a people, we as a nation and we as the church, because uh, I'm a dad of three teenagers. I have a daughter in college and two in high school, and they are not on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Yep. And so when I look at where we're headed and what will the future generation be on, they don't even have a Facebook account. Mm -hmm. um, I'll say something to my son about, did you see this on Facebook that I posted? I'm not on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but they are on all three of my kids are on Instagram. They, they just don't do Facebook. So that's where we're headed. Yeah. And what people don't realize too, is that uh, the biggest demographic on Instagram are the 30 somethings right now. And the 30 somethings are the ones that have those young kids that, that are called those young families that all the churches say that they're trying to reach. Right. And so right. that's where they are. It's great to try to reach them where they are. You know, that yeah. makes sense to me. Anyway, I, I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. I, like I told you earlier, I've been watching through some of these videos and just fantastic content. Fantastic. Uh, so anyway, I, go to the instasummit.com. Thanks for that shout out. And uh, yeah, man, get, I'm excited. It, I'm looking forward to it. It's free if you can watch it uh, on the date with us, but uh, it'd be 97 bucks to, to get the pass later. But Greg, thank you so much. This has been a really helpful, you know, talk about guest services and just being welcoming on the, in the online space, as well as some things to think about when we're reopening. So thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate your time. 
Yeah, man. I'm glad we made it happen. Me Thank too. You. Me too. Uh, go get the show notes for this episode at sethmuse.com slash 122. And we'll have all the links for all the things here, uh, there in that, uh, in that place. So thanks for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. And we'll be back soon. See you.